Welcome back to the Truth About Cars podcast. Today we're discussing a potential ban on gasoline cars right here in America and what one organization is doing to try to stop it. Plus, Chris Tun will join me to discuss the best and worst Super Bowl ads. But first, a word from our sponsor. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With, with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, all your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. As always, I'm your host, Tim Healy. And while we've got lots to cover, including the, those Super Bowl ads and some big topics in the news, I want to first dig in on this story that recently stood across my desk about an actual ban on gasoline-powered cars. We're here on the Truth About Cars podcast with Mike Spagnola, the president and CEO of the Specialty Equipment Market Association, also better known as SEMA. His experience spans retail, distribution, and manufacturing, and prior to joining SEMA, he has logged over 40 years in the specialty auto parts arena, including more than 20 years of product and development, excuse me, of product development and project vehicle work. Mike has been with SEMA since 2013 and served as president and CEO since February of 2022. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Tim. Good to be with you. Excellent. So, Mike, we've got you on today to talk about a particular topic that that might be near and dear to your heart. So, thanks so much for joining the show again. And before we get into the story, can you tell us and our listeners a little bit about what SEMA is and what you as an organization do? Yep. Uh, you know, a lot of people know us for our trade show. Uh, we do a SEMA show in Las Vegas, a business to business show every year in November. Uh, but, you know, there's things we do the other 360 days a year. So we're really a trade organization and we represent the automotive aftermarket industry, uh, which comprises over 7,000 members, small mom and pop companies up to large, you know, OE manufacturers. So, um, you know, in September, we released a uh, economic uh, impact study report. We're $337 billion a year to the U.S. economy, and we support over 1.3 American jobs. So, uh, you know, our association, we do a lot of work, including research, obviously legislative uh, advocacy, a lot of work in D.C. being done. We do training. We do product development support um, and really help our members. You know, our our motto is to help our members grow and prosper. So supporting the industry, protecting the industry, um, we help them through a lot of product development support, a lot of understanding um, legislatively you know, all those sorts of things that a trade organization does, but really to grow and prosper the automotive aftermarket, specifically in the performance parts industry. Fantastic. So now let's dig into the meat of the issue here that we have you on to talk about today. I understand it stems from some sort of potential, excuse me, potential ban on gasoline powered cars in Connecticut. Now I've heard about such things in urban centers in Europe and and, and also in some of the other states in, in America, but, but, you know, in America, we're a little bit different in terms of how we approach emissions. Can you give us a rundown of what's going on here with this uh, this proposed ban in Connecticut? Yeah, so it, it really expands across a lot of areas, a lot of states. But, you know, what our basic principle is, is that, um, you know, we're pushing back against the EPA's proposed emissions rules that say that you're basically going to end up driving a electric car. And we think that, you know, um, that the government shouldn't, pick winners and losers. They shouldn't put their thumb on the scale and they shouldn't just say, hey, it's electric cars, electric cars only. There's a lot of technologies out there that uh, allow, um, you know, solutions uh, on the environmental side, right? I mean, there's hydrogen, there's uh, synthetic fuels, there's a lot of technology and a lot of work being done 
and the government shouldn't say it's electric cars and electric cars only. And they've, they've, they've basically said that in their potential rules making, um, and that, uh, we should allow technology to continue and that people should have a choice on what they drive. Sure, sure. Some of the more s- skeptical people out there might see this the story or see your ad and accuse you or SEMA as an organization of just being scared of change or scared the electric cars are going to impact your business. How do you respond to that? Yeah, again, we uh, we think electric cars are part of the future. We think that they are uh, obviously that the technology has to continue to grow and develop. The infrastructure has to come into to play. Uh, we know that, for example, that uh, in cold climates, we just saw this uh, recently in the last couple of weeks, where in cold climates, uh, the cars couldn't charge uh, or they wouldn't run because it was cold. And so, um, you know, we've done a lot of work in this area. We know that 59% of registered voters, voters just in Connecticut um, say that they oppose the potential ban on gas-powered vehicles. And again, there's so much work being done on internal combustion engines now. Uh, we're running internal combustion engines on hydrogen, and you're even seeing the OEs now start to adapt. Uh, you know, BMW announced last week that they are going to be doing a lot of work in the hydrogen side um, rather than just the EV side. So all of these technologies should continue to grow, and they should be allowed to uh, uh, move forward. And again, the the government should embrace all of them. We're 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 for clean air. We do a lot of work in emissions compliance. We have two garage uh, garages in both California and in Detroit that help our members get through the EO and uh, EPA process to make sure that their products are compliant. And so we're for that. But, um, you know, again, we believe that uh, any ban on gas powered cars or any ban on other technologies should not move forward. So it's it's fair to say they're not just scared of like an industry shift electric cars or or you have your potentially have your hands tied by your member by your members who might be focused on internal combustion engine vehicles. Correct. Yeah. You know, look, we, we had at uh, the SEMA show this year, we had a 25,000 square foot section that just showed all these vehicle technologies, including EV uh, that should be allowed to move forward. And uh, uh, we embraced uh, synthetic fuels. We embrace hydrogen. We're embracing uh, some of these low carbon fuels uh, and again, you're even seeing the OEs, you know, Toyota has embraced now hybrid, uh, even GM and Ford have come out and said they're looking at hybrid uh, and that it shouldn't just be EVs. Uh, the other side of that is we are we are fostering EV conversion. So uh, taking older vehicles and uh, hot riding them with modern EV electronics. So, you know, for example, taking a 69 Camaro and putting a, a electric motor and all the components in it, we're we're fostering that market as well. So. We think that all those things um, should allow be allowed to move forward and the consumer should have a choice. Excellent. That's actually a good segue into my, into my next question. So at the annual SEMA show, we've seen, and by we, I mean everybody, because obviously SEMA mm-hmm. gets a lot of coverage. And I've personally been, but it's been a few years. But we've seen some older cars that have been swapped with EV batteries and motors. And so you just mentioned that. You just touched on that. But it is still a pretty niche area. So what is SEMA doing now to sort of foster growth in that in the area of aftermarket electric cars beyond what you just already said? Yeah, it, it's really exciting to see. You know, in the beginning when this started, you would take a wrecked Tesla and pull all the guts out of it and put it into whatever vehicle you wanted to put it into. But now we're seeing electric motor manufacturers, battery pack manufacturers, component manufacturers, uh, all those sorts of things start to come to the forefront. And we have been highlighting, highlighting those. Uh, again, at the SEMA show this year, we had almost 50 different component manufacturers 
uh, of EV components uh, highlighted in our booths at the SEMA show. And so we are fostering that as well. I, I think that that is uh, certainly the next generation of hot rodders uh, are looking at that. You know, younger technology uh, men and women are looking at the ability to uh, do those sort of conversions. Uh, we've done some of those here in our SEMA garages. And pretty exciting to watch. And and while it is niche, we see it growing. It, you know, it was a couple of manufacturers a couple of years ago. And again, it really just started with rec Teslas. But now there's lots of opportunity to look at different components and how they work and how they match up. We're even seeing both GM and Ford looking at electric crate motors that will be available to the consumer. Are there any other areas you see as particular opportunities when it comes so outside of just battery battery swaps or swapping an internal combustion engine to an electric motor? Uh, are you seeing other opportunities in terms of automotive uh, tech and parts like tires or brakes? Anything that e- are, are EVs affecting the way tires wear differently or the way brakes wear differently or anything else like that? Yeah, for sure. You, you look, uh, just take the Ford Lightning, um, still a truck, right? And so uh, while you won't be able to modify the engine or the, you know, the motor, you still can put a lift kit, you can still put tires and wheels, you can still put all the bed accessories, all the camping gear, all the internal uh, accessories, all those sort of components, bumpers, any of those sorts of things still fit onto a, a Ford Lightning. So uh, our manufacturers are developing products in that that end. Uh, they're also doing the same with Tesla or any other EV. They're doing suspension components and tires and wheels and all those sorts of modifications that individualize the vehicle. So we see that market continuing to grow and prosper. Uh, one of our own board members is specifically in that market, and it's fun to watch how they're developing products for you know, Rivian and Tesla and all those sorts of pro- uh, vehicles. I think you just answered my next question. I'm going to ask it anyway. So you just <laughs> you, you just said that you're seeing the area grow and prosper. So Overall, do you see a lot of enthusiasm among among your members and among uh, those who do aftermarket modifications? Do you see a lot of enthusiasm for electric vehicles? Uh, is it more is it more of a niche? Uh, yeah. Is it kind of yeah. growing? Can you walk me through that, please. Yeah, I think it's growing. It is a little bit of a niche, certainly to start, and uh, but we're seeing more and more manufacturers embrace it. Certainly, the truck manufacturers, and we've got you know hundreds of truck accessory manufacturers. They're embracing it quickly because they can. It's easy to adapt. Again, that Ford Lightning is the same body style. So a lot of those accessories will adapt. Some won't, and, and they take modification. You know, there are there are brake manufacturers that are developing brake components for larger brakes for Tesla. Tesla's pretty quick, right? And uh, if you want to really track it or do anything with it, it needs better braking systems. So uh, all those are really starting to, to come together, and it's going to be an evolution. It'll continue to be that way. You know, uh, Years ago, I I read an article where uh, the aftermarket, did the aftermarket have five more years? And it was vehicles are becoming more complex and uh, being able to adapt to those more complex uh, engines and and adapt to the uh, ECUs and all those sorts of things. You know, would the aftermarket be able to adapt to that? Um, You know, government regulations were stepping in with the next generation still want to modify vehicles. That article was from 1973. And so, you know, the, the aftermarket has always faced these challenges and have been able to, to adapt and, and respond. Excellent. Excellent. So I'm, I'm more of a let, well, let me rephrase that on a less serious topic. Uh, what got you personally into cars? Why, why are you a car person and why, what got you into, uh, what's both your living and your passion? Oh, it's, it started when I was young. You know, I, 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 
that was probably six or seven years old and building bottle cars. I can remember building the Mickey Thompson four-engine Challenger, and that just enthralled me. Uh, later on, my sister married a guy that was into SCCA racing, and he would take me to the races when I was eight or nine. Uh, and then the you know the older kids on the street were coming home with Corvettes and Mustangs and Camaros, and I can remember hearing them from a couple blocks away and running out into the street and just watching the cars go by uh, as they as they uh, you know muscled their way down the street. So I was always into it. Uh, in high school, I took auto shop and uh, loved it. And right out of high school, I went to work for a back then a Datsun dealership, um, <laughs> literally sweeping floors and delivery truck while I was going to college. Did some SCCA racing, and so you know it's just been in my veins, probably like you, Tim. I know you grew up around the auto parts business, um, but I did as well, and uh, it's always been my passion. I am blessed to be in this industry, uh, even you know after forty some years, uh, to just be part of this industry. I live it, breathe it every day. I'm still a student of the industry. I get to be in the seat and work with you know thousands of manufacturers and OEs and. Uh, it's just it's just a dream job for me, um, but uh, I was able to follow my passion and make a living at it. And man, there's nothing you know. They say you don't work a day in your life when you follow your passion. I wouldn't quite agree with that. There's a lot of work that goes on here, but uh, I'm I'm just uh, excited to be part of the industry and I live it and breathe it every day. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for your time, Mike. We appreciate it so much. And we'll be back right after this on the Truth About Cars podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. All right, and we're back in the Truth About Cars podcast. We're going to be talking... We thank Mike Spagnuolo for his time. Now we're going to be talking Super Bowl ads. So Chris, Chris Tun is uh, one of our freelancers, one of our contributors at TTAC. And Chris writes every year a Super Bowl live blog as well as a preview article for us covering the ads, specifically the car ads. So Chris, what was your takeaways from this year's game and what was your favorite? And what was one that you think was kind of on the opposite end? Well, uh, this year there wasn't much. There were four actual ads from automakers that uh that appeared during the game and i'm trying to think of what my favorites were um honestly i i, I love christopher walken he's a fun his he as a actor is a character in of itself so the bmw uh i5 it was funny and the um you know the teaser that trying to explain to the 80 something year old christopher walken what a teaser was there's a 15 second you know, video of him trying to learn about what a teaser was, was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, that was a good one. Um, what was the one that you really kind of didn't, didn't really enjoy? Um, honestly, the, the Toyota com- uh, commercial for the uh, Tacoma, 
where the drivers are, well, writers are holding on to what we used to call the O blank, 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 blank handle. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were coming up with all kinds of different terms for it because obviously they can't say that on the air either. Um, Just showing how exciting driving off-road in the new Tacoma is. Um, It'll probably sell trucks. They're they're not going to have any problems getting rid of every Tacoma they build at MSRP or higher. But... It's just not as creative as some others. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So for me, the ads that really stood out in a good way would be, uh, in terms of car ads, and it's my favorite ad of the night was actually not a car ad at all. It was the Dunkin' Donuts with uh, Tom Brady and, and Ben <laughs> yes. Affleck and, and Matt Damon. But to me, the the best ad, um, the Christopher Walken ad is one of the better ones, and I think partly because he leans into the bit, he, he's very self-aware and understands his voice and how distinctive it is, but he also, I think, did a good job of sort of being self-aware, but at the same time, within the commercial, acting as if he didn't know what was happening, so that was kind of good, and I, I really like the use of NWA's Express Yourself, too. I think that was, yeah, yeah it's, it's a great song to begin with, and it was perfect for, it was perfect for, uh, for this particular ad, too, so it worked out really well. Also, the Kia ad um, sort of tugged at my heartstrings a little bit, which kind of surprised me because I'm usually – I'm a pretty sentimental person in general, but I'm also kind of, when it comes to advertising, not so much just because every time I know what it's trying to do, and I don't normally get affected by ads too much. But that mm-hmm. one, that one, along with the Chevy ad that wasn't part of the Super Bowl but was aired earlier this year or late in 2023, that th- those two really got me. And this Kia one really got me. I thought it was, you know – it was really, really well done, and it was heart heart tugging without being maudlin, without being tacky. So I thought Kia did a nice job with that one. I agree with you. The Tacoma one didn't make much sense. In fact, honestly, I forgot about it until prepping for this episode and reading through your live blog again. I completely mm-hmm. had forgotten about it. Uh, the Volkswagen ad was very, very. It was good in selling the brand story, and so I put it one level down. I don't think it was quite as memorable as uh, BMW or Kia. The Volkswagen ad was pretty good, it was. and finally, you know, most of the ad, most of the car ads I thought were baseline good. I don't, I don't think it was a really truly bad car ad, but I, I think the mullets Kawasaki thing, which okay, they're not cars, they're side by sides. I like the premise there. I don't think the execution was quite as funny as they were going for, but it was. It was I got chuckled a little. Yeah, and then you know, Stellantis. I talked to some Stellantis, some Stellantis folks in the days after the game, and. They will tell you the Twisters trailer is sort of their ad for this year. So I, I don't know. I love the original movie. I, I don't know if the sequel's going to be any good. But, you know, it's kind of a subtle product placement for them. So yeah. to me, most of the really terrible ads were not car ads. So I think the car companies, at the very least, were baseline competent, if not great. So there was, there's no, you know, really bad car ads. Um, I was also going to say that, you know, uh, like I said, the Twister... You know, it's just funny. One year after Stellantis does premature electrification, now they're barely, barely sliding their truck into the Twister ad. So I thought that was a little bit, you know, I, I understand this is the same brand, same company that didn't do the Chicago Auto Show last year's strike, maybe hurt them financially, the UAW strike. So I understand they're not going to drop $7 million into a Super Bowl ad, especially if they're skipping a major auto show. I understand that it's not a very good look for them. And plus, they're talking about a, a a Ram truck, which is being redesigned for this year. So yes, yes, which uh, has been refreshed and uh, bad timing. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's it, you know it's 
it's kind of interesting that they sort of had an ad without having an ad. So I guess it's a cheap way of, of getting your vehicle noticed, right? So right. that being said, we talked about this year's ads. Chris, I'd like to pick your brain and see what you can remember from historical Super Bowl ads and, and games in the past where they had really, really good car ad from a, any one particular car company. Well, I've been thinking about it, and I've been doing this Super Bowl commercial roundup, whether it was a live blog or just a, a recap on Monday morning after the game uh, or both, uh, since it looks like 2016. So I've been at this for a little while. Um, thinking back, one of the ones that I enjoyed from my time doing this would be, um, oh, goodness, um, Hyundai several years ago with the new Sonata, which is no longer new and has probably been refreshed and or replaced since then. Um, but their introduction, introduction of the smart park with mm-hmm. several Boston character, you know, Boston actors, including some, I think that may have been in the, uh, the Duncan commercial this past Sunday. I'd, I'd have to go back and look it up. I believe yeah. Ben Affleck was, it was the, yeah, I think Ben Affleck was in it and, um, Oh, David Ortiz from the Red Sox was in it. And it, it, the smart pac, and yeah, they, yeah. They, le- they leaned heavily into the Boston accent, and that was pretty memorable uh, from my time. Uh, also, Bill Murray, uh, two or three years ago, uh, with the introduction of the Jeep Gladiator, did a Groundhog Day uh, reprise, where every mm-hmm. day he would get up and Ned Ryerson was it Ned Ryerson? Is that that the guy? I believe it. Yeah, it's morning? Ned Ryerson. Yeah. I forget the yeah. actor's name, but it's Ned Ryerson. Yeah. Stephen. Uh, Tobolowski, I think is his name. Is that the sounds about right, yeah. Um, but every morning he would wake up, and of course it's Sonny and Cher. You've got me, babe, playing just like in the movie. Um, but he jumps in the gladiator every day and, you know, goes out and lives life. Um, oh, a couple years ago, there was also Walter the Cat. Uh, it was a couple mm-hmm. of Chevrolet trucks. It was, uh, I think they were introducing the trail, blo- trail box. Yeah, Walter the Cat, I actually forgot, was a Super Bowl ad because it ran so much just during normal TV. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I had completely I th- forgotten about it. I think the campaign had started the year prior or late 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 the year prior, but they unveiled mm-hmm. a new Walter the Cat commercial for uh the Super Bowl that year and it was you know dealing with the snow and the cat would go out in the snow and you know dig up uh hikers that had been caught in an avalanche and then you know tow a a, a sled of dogs that was leading the sled. Um yeah, we're both cat people, so that's I'm sure that's going to Yeah. Well, I like Way dogs. Heavily on me. Not allowed to have dogs in my building, so <laughs> I'd be both a dog and cat person if I had yeah. a different living situation. Oh, yeah. yep. That being said, yeah, um, I'll run through my list of some personal favorites over the years as well. So uh, you touched on a few of them already. You know, for me, for some reason, Volkswagen has a lot of Super Bowl ads that really stick out in my head. They've so done Darth very well. Yeah, yeah, the Darth Vader child from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, it was. I looked it up earlier. I had said it was from the '90s when you were prepping for the show. It's actually from 2001. There was one where a guy, a couple guys, were throwing rocks and sticks and sneakers, trying to shake something out of a tree. And what falls down is a, a Volkswagen GTI. And then the, at the end, the guy says something like, "I don't have the video in front of me. I don't want to play it while we're casting on air." But the guy says something like, um, "Next time, let the clutch out slower, or ease out in the clutch." Or, the implication is to get the car so much power it jumped into the tree. So that was a good one. Uh, uh, I'm a bit biased on this one because I love The Sopranos. It's my favorite drama, my favorite live action drama show of all time, most likely or probably. Um, 
but two or three years ago, I want to say it was two seasons ago. It was two oh, years ago. Yes. I yeah. looked it up earlier. Yeah. When uh, they reunited um, uh, Jamie Lynn Siegler and I forget Rob, Robert Eiler, Robert Eiler, Robert Eiler yeah. plays AJ Soprano and metal Soprano. And it was for, it was for the Chevy Silverado electric. I remember I was cooking in the kitchen and the TV was, I could see it, but it was sort of like I was busy finishing up whatever, we, whatever we were eating that year, wings and ribs, I think. And I kind of figured, well, if the first ad is really good, I'll just have the, you know, someone will pause the DVR and go back and look it up, look it up. And uh, I hear the notes of the Sopranos theme song. And I thought, I thought my lady friend had sat on a remote and hit H- and open HBO and they were doing a marathon or something. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, it's, it's, uh, it's an ad. And I, I kind of like, I, I froze. Like you hear those notes and you're like, Oh man, so my, it, it's a great opening intro to uh, a TV show. One of the best of all time. And I mm-hmm. love the song anyway. It's just a great song just to listen to like when you're driving in the car. So I heard the first couple notes and I'm like, Oh man, what's going on here? You know, did the, did the broadcast change? And I look over and, you know that, like that one was like obviously that one. If you're not a Sopranos fan or if you don't care about the show, it's not going to hit you the same way. But that one was one of those ones where it's like it's clearly playing to your like, man, I really missed the show. It was so good. The main character, the actor who played him, passed away. You're never going to get the same. You're never going to get that show back. And it really just sort of kind of played into that. And so that was really clever on Chevy's part. They knew how popular the show was, and having to go uh, shot for shot for the. It was it was also good too. They didn't just cheap out and do the song and the actors. They like went shot for shot. So, and they brought it in slowly too, which I think is smart. They didn't and just show the truck right away. So that was that's that's another one that really stands they out had, in my head. I mean, instead of the twin towers in the mirror reflection, it was the Freedom Tower. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Meadow, Meadow didn't have to swipe a, uh, a a pass or anything like that at the uh, toll gate like Tony did, or he didn't have yeah. to grab a pass. Uh, I mean, yeah. It shows a sign, electronic toll collected. I mean, it's, I, I loved how they, they did that. It's a shame the car's not here yet. It's been two no, years, and we still yeah, can't get the auto show, but yeah, The it Silverado yet. EV, yeah. Yeah, but th- no, that was a really well done, Ed. And a couple others that come to mind that I think of, Smart Park, as you mentioned, or Smart Park, that, that's, that's a very good one. And then um, uh, I also think of imported from Detroit, which I had just, which I had somehow completely forgotten about until we started prepping for this episode. Yep. That was, I was looking at Eminem older ads. Yeah. The price of 200. Yeah. And now there's all, I remember when that ad first aired, I was watching at a friend's house and my friend is married to a Detroit native, a Pontiac area native. So it was like, you know, there, there, there's obviously some Detroit people kind of got their heads turned around and oh my gosh, it's all about Detroit. Right. But, uh, I always had mixed feelings with that one because the 200 was the 200 got better near the end. They, they did put some effort into improving that car, but it was not the car I would have chosen if I was, if I was a Chrysler Stellantis Fiat, I think they were Fiat Chrysler at that point, I would have gone with a charger or a Viper. I think the Viper was still on sale. I would have gone with something a little more iconic, but they were trying to show that, Hey, they could build the mainstream cars. They could build them as good as Honda or Toyota. Now, that ad probably falls flat a little in that, you know, it's, it didn't, Chrysler didn't always, Chrysler slash Fiat slash Stellantis didn't always back up the talk. Uh, and they've gotten, their product has improved over the years, although they're still kind of at a spot where there's only one Chrysler for sale right now. And there's still some concerns about the company as there always are. Uh, Fiat is more or less pulled out of the States, but you know, 
Um, that ad did at least, and there's a term for that kind of ad that I learned in college during an advertising class, and I cannot for the life of me remember it. But it's it's not it's not an emotional ad to tug at your heartstrings. It's not an ad to make you laugh. It's to kind of show their community spirit and to show how strong the company is. And I think that ad, at least our first blush before you really started to think about it, did a great job of that. All right. Um, going back even further, I got looking earlier, and of course, everyone knows I'm a big Nissan fan. Um, in the mid nineties, they had their series of advertisements. Uh, oh, <clears throat> enjoy the drive. I enjoy the ride. I can't remember what it was with the, uh, the old Japanese man who was meant to look like, um, Mr. K, who was the president of Nissan back in the seventies and the dog. Um, but one of that, those ads aired during the Super Bowl with pigeons. And pigeons uh, racing to, you know, they were playing the Top Gun theme, the the Kenny Loggins um, mm-hmm. Danger Zone mm-hmm. song. Yeah, yeah. And this, you know, squadron of pigeons lining up to go out and try to bomb a freshly waxed black Nissan Maxima. And it was too fast. And, of course, it gets into the garage and the, the pigeon, uh, I believe, voiced by John Ratzenberger of Cheers fame. Wow. Smashes into the um, into the garage door as it's closing. Oh, behind I do remember door. this now. Ninety six, ninety seven, yeah. something like that. I, I was going back in my you know my archives of of old stuff that I love. Yeah, when you started talking about it, and we we, we didn't go. We, you and I did have a pre show meeting where we talked about some of these ads, right. not all of them, and that one is one that had escaped my memory completely mm-hmm. until just now. So I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you brought that one back up. That was nineteen ninety seven. I thought it was more recent than that. Yeah, I can always pull that stuff out of my my history. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially as a Nissan fan, the other <clears throat> the other one that I was thinking of that kind of popped in my head as we were talking is the Audi Godfather ad from two thousand and eight, and I thought it was more recent than the, that. Yeah, yeah, he wakes up with the uh, grill of a oh a Rolls Royce, I think it was in yeah yeah yeah. So for me, I have a rule about Super Bowl ads. And this is a personal preference thing. I, I know that it's not going to affect the way they actually do their business and. It really applies. I apply this rule to every ad, but car ads tend to do the best job of following it, partly by definition. Mm-hmm. I personally think every Super Bowl ad either should be clever and funny, or tug at your heartstrings, or have an important, an important message that almost everyone can agree with, and you're not something partisan or anything like that. But I don't like I don't like movie trailers during a Super Bowl ad unless it's a movie that's really hotly anticipated or. Or going to be a huge blockbuster because movie trailers you see a lot anyway, and I want I want that space reserved for something different. And also, movie trailers by definition have to be done a certain way, otherwise it's not really a movie trailer, right? So, and I want my Super Bowl ads to be unique because if if they're good, we're going to be talking about them. And no matter how much money they're spent, generally speaking, most Super Bowl ads remain in heavy ad rotation for at least a few months. You know, anywhere for a few weeks to a few months. So. I want when I see a Super Bowl ad, I want it to be like, okay, I laughed at that, but I also want to remember it. And I also want to be annoyed by it in March and April. So mm-hmm. I'm looking for humor. I'm looking for something that really resonates with with pulling your heartstrings. And I'm, I'm trying to avoid. I don't like ads like those Timu ads where they it's just a song about how grand the brand is, how great the Wait, brand is. It's Temu. They, they, Temu. They, I'm sorry, that was the only thing they did is to uh, yeah to pronounce it right. Yeah, yeah. Three ads, Ugh. three times the same ad. So I'm not a fan of that one. 
Nope. Um, I will say a lot of the non-car ads this year were disappointing. M&M's is usually really funny, and they were not this year. I didn't think they were that, all that mm-hmm. funny. I think the ad with Lionel Messi and Jason Sudeikis, if if I've ever seen Ted Lasso, I might have liked it more. And I, Ted Lasso, I do plan on watching someday. just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. That one could have been funnier uh, for for those of us who, if you're a bigger soccer fan or if you're a big fan of the Ted Lasso show or both, I think maybe that would have been a little bit more. Uh, but I don't want to get too far into the weeds of non-car stuff. But my point is, the reason I, I'm a little, the reason I sort of set that up and I'm kind of circling back is that's one reason why I love the BMW ad. It was simple. It was funny. You know, is it going to be annoying in a few weeks? Probably. It's it's not. It's not the best ad I've ever seen, but. It was simple. It was funny. It sold their message. It sold the car. I, I understand. There was no, I didn't have to, you, you know, it, I don't want to say that I don't want to think because that's normally I like thinking. It's good to be smart and, and to think things through. But during the Super Bowl, I'm imbibing an unhealthy food. I'm watching a, the game. It's the one game where I really don't want to take a break during the commercial to miss something because the commercials are supposed to be good enough that you don't get up and use the restroom or get food. Most years, I'm probably imbibing in some beer. This year, I had an early flight the next morning, so I, I really didn't imbibe the way I normally would. But, you know, I, I don't want to have to sit there and overthink it during the Super Bowl. I want to sit there and turn my brain off a little bit during those ads. So the BMW ad was nice and simple. Punchline was funny. I, you don't have to know an obscure cultural reference to get it. You didn't have to overthink it. It was Unless you don't know who Christopher Walken is, which if you don't know who Christopher Walken is by this point, you have clearly never watched a movie. Um so that 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 was really good. It was really effective and simple. And that's one reason why I love the Kia ad too. And that okay, that was the opposite end of the spectrum. It was heartwarming and heart tugging as opposed to being funny. But again, real simple. You didn't need a, a lot of setup. You, you it was very clearly understood that the grandfather or the uncle or the uncle. I'm going to guess grandfather. The grandfather wasn't there to see the, the young daughter perform. He couldn't be there. He wanted to be there. And it also showed off a key feature of the car. It wasn't just, oh, this is Kia. We're doing, we're doing stuff that makes you say, ah. It actually showed what the Kia EV9 can do. It can power something. So, so Kia has that subtle thing too. They're like, hey, if you buy a Kia EV9, you you too can set up Empire Lights in your backyard in your really expensive house where you've got enough space for a frozen pond. So, I mean, I mean, obviously it's a little bit ridiculous uh, that you know most of us don't have that kind of setup, but Again, it makes a point. It, it tugs your heartstrings. It sits with you. You're going to remember it, but it also sells a valuable feature of the car. So that, I thought mm-hmm. that's why the Kia and the BMW ad stood out to me. And, and that's the thing. We, we just referenced the Sopranos ad. And as much as I love that ad, the one thing it didn't really do was sell the truck. You know, that could have done that with any vehicle. Right. That's, like the, that's the only bad part about that ad. So I think, you know, this year's ads were the best ones were. Short, clever, and showed off the car. Makes sense. Before we wrap this week, Chris, do you have anything else in Super Bowl ads you want to add? I can't think of anything else. Well, with that, then we will we will uh, sign off for this week, and hopefully, next year's Super Bowl ads, whether they're car related or not, will be much better. This was a bit of a down year for the advertising industry, and the car, like I said, the car ads were. In general, better than the non-automotive ads, but uh, it was a bit of a rough year. And I think a lot of adver- a lot of companies are want that seven million dollars back or or whatever it costs. I think it was seven million dollars for thirty second spot. I think that's the baseline. I don't believe that involved production costs. So that's uh, 
quite a lot of money being thrown at these Super Bowl ads here. So with that, we thank you for listening to the Truth About Cars podcast, and we will see you next week. But first, we have to thank our sponsor, eBay Motors, because eBay Motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. So, again, this is the Truth About Cars podcast. My name is Tim Healy. We had Chris Tun on. Thank you, Chris. And we also had Mike Spagnolo, the president and CEO of SEMA, the Specialty Equipment Manufacturers Association, on earlier to talk about potential internal combustion car ban in Connecticut. We thank Chris. We thank Mike. We thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next time on the Truth About Cars podcast. You can find us at ttac.com, thetruthaboutcars.com, also spell it out, ttac.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.